Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we had a wonderful celebration last night for St. Michael and all of the angels. And this morning, we commemorate St. John Chrysostom. So I'm going to interweave Chrysostom and the angels together this morning for the sermon, but specifically also starting a series on the anaphora of the divine liturgy. Does anyone know what anaphora means? Anyone? Before the gifts? Offering, yes. Where does the anaphora start? Bueller? <laughs> when we show up? When the wheat is planted. When the deacon says, let us stand aright, let us stand with fear, let us attend that we may offer the holy oblation in peace. This is where the part of the divine liturgy where we move to the anaphora, the offering, where we are going to offer up bread and wine and our Lord is going to change that bread and wine into his body and his blood. The divine liturgy is working up to this place. We have just gone through, of course, we had the hours before the divine liturgy that are preparation before the divine liturgy. But let's back up a little bit more. The divine liturgy itself is something that we also, there's preparation with the night before, with vespers or with vigil, depending on the church that you're going to, that all of this weekend, the Saturday evening, is preparation for contemplation, celebration of our Lord's resurrection. When we come to the divine liturgy, the divine liturgy, of course, starts with blessed is the kingdom, and then we have the antiphons, we have the uh, chasagion, we have the readings, and then we have, of course, the sermon. All of the beginning part, you could cut it down in the liturgy to the liturgy of the word. We are in a few moments, I call it a bridge, there's a few litanies that will follow the sermon, where we will then be marching our way or stepping up towards the anaphora. When the deacon calls out, let us stand aright, let us stand with fear, let us attend. This is an actual call to stand up and to attend. If you're used to Orthodox liturgy, you might think this is some mystical meaning, but no, it really means pay attention. Hello, we're at this part. Uh, If you've noticed, there's little points in the liturgy where you get all of these, hello, wake up. Uh, come back. I know you probably wandered a little bit internally. Your mind, your heart, here we are. This is what we are to attend to. This is the same when he, the little entrance, where we come in with the gospel, he says, Wisdom, stand upright. That means Sophia Proskomen in Greek. Wisdom, pay attention, right? Something is happening. Rouse yourself. Let us stand with fear. To stand with fear. To come before God with fear and trembling. Not a fear because we're afraid 
of punishment or that we've got some rageaholic to attend to, but that we are going to stand, that we always are standing, but that there is a specific act that is going to happen, that God is going out of our gifts that he's already gifted to us, give back the great gift of his son. The reality that we stand before God himself. There's something about uh, our culture especially that whenever anything is uh, proper or order or, you know, like a black tie event, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't wear the black tie. And beyond that, not that they don't have the means to it or not, but they'll even justify it. Like, it doesn't really matter. Our constant need to kind of downgrade something. And a lot of it, I think, is because of the shame that we can't handle the weight or the responsibility. But this is the reality that we, in coming and gathering together to stand before God, let us not in any ways give self-pity or self-justification to downgrade that reality. If we lose track of attention, if we find ourselves sitting there talking about something, oh, did you see the game last night or yesterday? Yeah, Siri told me they crushed Missouri. (laughs) Wait till coffee hour, right? This is the time where we stand with fear before God himself, that we together are going to offer the Holy Oblation in peace, specifically the priest standing before the altar because he stands in Christ's place, but it is Christ's offering that we are attending to, that we are adding to the offering of the Son to the Father, not that we're adding in any way to his sacrifice, But we are adding our sacrifice, our attention, our love, our faith, our obedience, our adoration of God the Father with our own offering. And it's especially our attention. What what better definition of prayer than paying attention? You know when somebody's not listening to you, because you can talk and talk, and they can nod, and they can nod. But we, in coming to the divine liturgy, coming to offer up the holy oblation in peace, this is where our attention needs to be. Not in the multiplicity, the distractions, all the cares of the world. Those are going to be there. This is the time This is a sacrifice of our time and attention given fully to the creator. So it is something that we stand in reverence and in fear of who God is. The priest gives a blessing to begin the anaphora. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The entire movement of the divine liturgy is what we are swept up into. If you would say the drama of the Godhead, the love of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But for us, we, of course, know God, the Father in the face of Jesus Christ, 
This is why is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who came down and sought us and brought us to God again. It is, of course, the love of God the Father that compelled the Son. Not that he needed to be compelled as if he didn't want to. But that drove Christ into the world. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, Amen, yes, and I have the same love for them. And the grace of our Lord that we experience, that we have come to know who God is, that we call upon him as Father, that we experience in our heart the communion of the Holy Spirit, that we have come to know Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and all of the gifts that are rained down upon us. This is, of course, why the priest then exhorts maybe commands and lifting up his arms and saying, let us lift up our hearts. There's this constant movement in the liturgy to lift up, to attend, to have our minds and our hearts be on high. Because baptized, chrismated, searching after Christ, you are sitting in the heavenly places in our Lord. This is what the entire work of salvation is. That he came to seek us and to, to bring us into the heavenly places. We are, have access. We are ourselves in Jesus Christ behind the veil. We know God. He is a mystery, but in one sense, it's not a mystery. We don't have to guess. What is the meaning of the world? What is the meaning of all of this? We know that it is the grace of our Lord who has brought us to understand the love of God the Father and brought us into the communion of God himself that we experience in the Holy Spirit. We have already been encouraged as we will sing before the great entrance or during the great entrance as we will finish it right after the great entrance. What is the song that we sing? The Trubic Hymn, right? What is the Trubic Hymn? tell us or encourage us this is one of those things that throughout the liturgy let us let us do this do that pay attention but let us who mystically represent the cherubim who sing the thrice holy hymn to life pure and trinity now lay aside all earthly cares we join or you could even say the angels join us because our voices mingle together. The constant sanctus, the constant chasayan around the throne of God is what we join ourselves to. The angels. The priest begins the prayer of the anaphora. It is meet and right to sing to thee to bless thee, to praise thee, to give thanks to thee, and to worship thee in every place of thy dominion. Let it be an orthodox prayer that can't just say it in one way, <laughs> or two ways, or three ways, but let's cover the vocabulary of the scriptures and try to capture it in a prayer. That we sing, we bless, we praise, we give thanks, we worship, to the God who is ineffable, inconceivable, invisible, 
incomprehensible, ever-existing, and eternally the same. God. Thou and thine only begotten Son and thy Holy Spirit. It is our place, it is our pleasure, it is our glory as creatures to bless, praise, give thanks, and worship God. Because what are we without him? We're nothing. (laughs) This is why the prayer says, Thou, God, brought us up from non-existence into being. And, as we are wont, we fall away from that being, what he has even given to us. And when we had fallen away, didst raise us up again. I'm surprised it doesn't say, and again, and again, and again. And didst not cease to do all things until thou hast brought us up to heaven and hast endowed us with thy kingdom which is to come. Notice, he gives us being, he saves us from our temptation to slide away into nothingness which you would think that wouldn't be a temptation but it is in our shame in our uh, like Adam and Eve we want to just run away but as God who brings us into being who gives us life who endows us with the kingdom which is to come he gives us a foretaste in the Holy Spirit he gives faith hope and love he implants it in our heart This is the giver of life, being, and future bliss. For all these things we give thanks to thee, the priest continues in the words of St. John Chrysostom. For everything we give thanks to God. And notice throughout the anaphora, we're praying to God the Father in the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Orthodox liturgy is always going to bring us into that dance of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're always going to say when we approach and talk to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, we give thanks for all things of which we know and of which we know not, whether manifest to us or unseen, What is the Eucharist? What is the definition of Eucharist? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The entire movement of the divine liturgy. We may be thinking worship, maybe contrition of our sins, but there is a specific word of thanks, of joy that comes because Let's be honest, we get distracted in all the multiplicity, all the little things, and our attention is spread all over the place. And we forget in the midst of that to be thankful, to go back to those bare necessities of life, right? I exist. (laughs) When I fall, God picks me up. When I think that things don't have hope, he's given me a kingdom now and which is to come. I don't even comprehend the things that he has saved me from. That my guardian angel just said, nope, walk that way. We thank thee for this liturgy, which thou hast found worthy to accept at our hands. That God, as 
making us creatures, our natural pose is thankfulness, something that we must learn and relearn. But that we, you, brothers and sisters, have been found worthy, have been given back the dignity to stand with and amid the angels. That we give thanks for this opportunity, for the liturgy that he gave to us, that we join in that work. Because what stands beside him? Thousands of archangels and hosts of angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, six-winged many-eyed who soar aloft, born in their pinions, singing the triumphant hymn, triumphant hymn, shouting, just even reading this again, they're shouting, <laughs> proclaiming, heralding forth and saying, holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. St. John Chrysostom, in his homily on Isaiah 6, where Isaiah is standing in the same throne room that you and I stand in, hearing the same hymn of the angels, St. John Chrysostom says, Do you recognize this voice? Is this voice our voice? Or is it the voice of the seraphim? This voice at the same time, our voice, and the voice of the seraphim, for we join as a choir. Thanks to Christ who has broken down the dividing wall. He has reconciled heaven and earth. Indeed, this, song, this hymn was sung before only in heaven. But at the moment the Lord has deigned to descend to earth, he brought this song also to us. He gave us a song to sing. Therefore, the great pontiff or high priest standing at this sacred table to offer the spiritual worship, to offer the bloodless sacrifice, does not invite us only to listen devotedly, but having remembered first the cherubim, the seraphim, he exhorts all of us to send up to heaven this tremendous song as we belong to their choir. He invites us, the priest, I'm inviting you every time we say these prayers to lift up our thought from heaven, from the earth, and raises up everyone with these or similar words. Sing together with the seraphim. Stand up together with the seraphim. Together with them, extend the wings of your mind. Together with them, let us encircle the throne of the king. In short, as the angels sing, we sing together with them. As the angels stand upright and pay attention, we can stand reverently with them. Just as the angels extend their wings, we can extend the wings of our souls. Just as the angels fly around that throne, our thoughts can be brought to circle round and around God. One of the things about Chrysostom's sermons, if you're used to reading them, and there's a lot that you can gain from them, but you can especially tell that he's not just sat down somewhere and written this out as this beautiful treatise of great Greek rhetoric and everything brought together, but 
he makes little asides. He will say, and you can tell, he's like, hey, you at the back, pay attention, right? He's encouraging, he's rebuking, he's exhorting. He's like, you guys pay attention to the game. You want to go to the Colosseum and pay attention to that more than you want to pay attention here. So no wonder you're not here, right? This is what Christism says. It's nice to get a little pinprick into the fourth century. They're just like us. (laughs) And so for St. John Chrysostom, this movement of offering to God of our attention to stand with the angels. This is something that we do with fear and reverence. St. John Chrysostom tells us the church is heaven. We're in heaven. Now, you can imagine it in this way. If someone would introduce you to heaven, certainly you would not dare to speak to anyone even when you would see there your father or your brother, in the same way here in the church, one should speak only about spiritual things because here is heaven. You should be completely filled with great fear and reverence even before the tremendous moment of the consecration. So it's not just, let's hang out. Oh, the priest is doing something up there. Let's pay attention. He's saying, no, the entire time you walk into the church, Fear and reverence. Be awe-filled and attentive before you see the holy veils extended upon the altar and the choir of the angels preceding the priest. I say you even more, ascend in this moment to heaven. Now is the time to ascend to heaven. We've been preparing for this moment, starting last night or this morning with our pre-communion prayers. That we stand before God himself. That, as Chrysostom says, if we were to enter into heaven, we would be enthralled with heaven so much that even if we saw our father and brother, we're not going to speak to them just yet. Because we are in the presence of God. There's a lot of practical things that flow from this. There are times in the services where we don't walk around that we don't leave during the anaphora, before the tremendous consecration, that we are paying attention during the gospel reading, that we, let's, that we, as much as possible within our powers, you know, with a two-year-old whose diaper gets a little, that's probably going to put you back a little bit, but everything within our powers to be able to be here on time, Four blesses the kingdom so that we can begin that ascent. And that for our children, this is the time to teach them. It's long, it's arduous, it's hard. But this is how they learn to stand, to attend, to not just wander around, but to stay with you as you attend as much as possible with their distractions to what is happening. Monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) When the word of God and the church fathers stress the sacred and transcendent dimension of divine worship, they invoke the angels as examples to be imitated. This is following the letter to the Hebrews that describes angels as liturgical spirits. They are the first adorers of Christ, 
the incarnate Son of God. We sing with them. We can stand with them. We can extend the wings of our souls and our thoughts can circle around the throne of God. We need that angelic worship, that example for us, so that we can begin to attain to the purity of the angels. In all of this paying attention to God, remember, if we go back to the gospel that we had today, what was the lawyer trying to tempt our Lord about? What are the commandments? Love God. That doesn't ever mean losing love your neighbor. The Levite and the Pharisee went to the temple. They offered the sacrifice. They attended to the law. And yet they did not attend to the man beaten and broken at the side of the road. The liturgy trains our hearts, our minds, our will to God so that we are transformed so that when we attend to and encounter others, we attend to them and encounter them because in them, who do we encounter? Jesus. St. John Chrysostom is very strong on this. You might be saying, he's got a lot to say. There's a lot that he has to say about the Eucharist and attending to it and receiving it in an honorable way. St. John Chrysostom says, you honor this altar because it receives Christ's body. But him that is himself the body of Christ, you treat with contempt when perishing. This altar may you find everywhere. It's not just us who's gathered here, but you can find them everywhere. In the ancient world, he says, in lanes and marketplaces. You can find them the highways, the byways. You can find them at Kroger. You can find them at Walmart, McKay's, wherever. This altar that you find in someone else, this is where you, St. John tells us, can sacrifice it upon every hour. There's this altar that we receive from him, and then there's the altars that we encounter when other people. From this too, sacrifice is performed. As the priest stands invoking the Spirit, so do you invoke the Spirit, not by speech, but by your deeds. For nothing does so sustain and kindle the fire of the Spirit, but this offering. Where does this offering go? When we give to others. When we sacrifice for others. St. John Chrysostom says, where does that smoke go? Where does the sweet savor of this altar go? It is praise and thanksgiving. And where does it ascend? Not just into the heaven, but into the throne room of God himself. Your prayers and your alms have come up before God. The sweet savor which the sense perceives doesn't just go into the air. It goes into the very presence of God. So when you see a poor believer... When you see a beggar, when you see someone standing hurt by the side of the road, do not, St. John tells us, insult him, but reverence him. The reverence which you give God on the altar is the same reverence that you give to your brother or sister in the Lord. 
If you see another insulting him, prevent and repel it. For so you shall yourself be able both to have God propitious to you. To obtain the promised good things to which we all want to attain, to ascend into the heavens, to be seated at the right hand beside our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the place reserved for us, that we may give grace and love, that we may receive the grace and love that Jesus has given to us men, by whom and with him, to the Father and the Holy Spirit, be glory, my honor, now and forever, into the world without end. Amen.